0: parties and other amazing events visit milu m-i-i-l-u dot com. this podcast is also brought to you by photographers edit custom image editing for the professional photographer visit photographers com. all right ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we are back for another book of podcast episode and uh, i'm joined today by a brand new guest um, and and now, I'm going to call you a brand new friend. We had the chance to meet briefly at United, but thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Book of Podcast.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited.
0: Well, and your the topic that you addressed that you spoke on at United captured my attention. And you were kind enough to be willing to come on the podcast and talk about the same thing. We're going to get into branding and more specifically the four pillars of branding here in just a little bit. Uh, but as we normally do here at the podcast, um, I like to start off with a question actually related to brand and branding, and that is specifically about brand position. Now you you are, unlike most of the guests that I have on, you're not a photographer. You You specifically focus on developing brands for companies. So in that space, what is your company's brand position or the unique value proposition that you bring to the market?
1: Yes. So as a brand designer and a web developer... I work with creative entrepreneurs to really get what makes them unique onto the computer screen. So I think that that really puts me in a different category because I'm able to work with them and then to express that visually. A lot of people can talk to you and tell you what kind of services they offer, but to be able to take that and then completely represent their personalities through their online home um, is what I'm able to enjoy.
0: Interesting. Okay. So the, the specificity there is is kind of interesting to me. You're talking about the distinction between communicating a brand visually through what somebody is going to see on the computer screen versus, um, let's say copy, for example. Uh, it's more about the visuals for you?
1: Right. Um, so through the branding process is a little bit more about the visuals. And then when we get to their web design, we dive deeper into the copy content and those other three pillars of the brand
0: right which we're going to touch on here in just a little bit but um, okay cool so thanks for kind of opening us up with that giving us a little bit of context what market are you based in currently
1: currently I work with a lot of wedding professionals I would say that it's probably 40 percent photographers and then the rest are caterers event venues florists, things of that nature
0: okay and and what part of the country are you based in
1: Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: Oh, beautiful. Okay. You're not too far away. I'm in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee area. So not too far away. Charlotte's beautiful. I've spent a little bit of time there. Has your business been based in that market the whole time?
1: No. So it actually started in Greensboro, which is about an hour and a half north of Charlotte. It's okay. a little bit smaller of a market. Um, but this. But 2019, we were able to expand and move to Charlotte.
0: Very cool. Well, good for you. And, and props to you for what you've already done. And um, we're, in fact, we're going to learn a little bit more about what you have done, what you've learned from your experience so far in just a bit. But uh, and in fact, actually, let's let's dig into that as the next question. Your experience in business. First of all, how many years have you been running this business?
1: Yes, so I'm actually in year four. Uh, Brandon Brown will be celebrating their fourth anniversary in March.
0: Well, congratulations! And uh, it, it, it's to, to get through a year of business is a big deal. Coming up in four years. Uh, even bigger deal. And there are reasons why you've been able to accomplish that. What would you say based on your experience has made the biggest difference in your business? Or if if you had the opportunity to share a 15 second piece of advice with a fellow entrepreneur, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Yes, I would suggest time blocking from the beginning. I think that as we work in our businesses, oftentimes we can become overwhelmed with all the tasks that have to take place. But when we start time blocking from the beginning, we can make more time for the important things and then it leads to clarity in our business.
0: Okay. So time blocking, first of all, it's an interesting topic. Um, it, we, it's come up a number of times on the podcast and it, it's something honestly that I could probably stand to implement a little bit in my business as well. I mean, I have, I have a rough schedule outline for my day that generally works okay uh, but i 'm also pulled in different directions and and so I've, in fact, just the other day i 've actually started blocking off nine to something like nine to twelve Monday through Friday as kind of a management time for me that I, that enables me to to focus more on the proactive tasks the things that you know the big picture stuff some brainstorming and coming up with ideas for marketing and and planning and uh, coming up with ideas for you know the website or for the for the app or whatever the case may be. But that's just that's a, a small step anyway that I've taken toward time blocking. But you said it enables you to focus on the important things. What does that actually mean to you?
1: Yes. So after a lot of feedback with clients last year, I realized that one of the more important things in my business was that personal one-on-one aspect. Um, my clients having the accessibility to be able to talk to me, to be able to ask questions throughout the process. So one of the more important things was making sure that I had time in my schedule to talk to them, to pick up the phone or to answer an email and to really you know, work with them hands-on throughout yeah. the process.
0: Well, it is about the clients at the end of the day. And actually focusing on our relationships with clients, especially as a um, a small business, can make all the difference in the world. I mean, the the world is a noisy place. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast. The world is a noisy place. There are a lot of people, because of technology, we're able to start businesses now. So there are a lot of people starting businesses. And clients or potential clients have a lot of options. And so if, if they feel like just a number in the noise, in the mix, then the likelihood of them booking us as a business, it's less likely. If you're actually making the effort, putting the time into developing a relationship with them and truly taking care of them, that'll make that'll go a long way toward not only booking a client, but ultimately building a, hopefully a long lasting relationship with them. So that's, that's huge. You talked about clarity. How does this time blocking enable clarity for you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that time blocking has shown me is what tasks really are missing the most. At the end of the week, I reassessed what was able to be done within the time frame that I allotted for it. And then I realized, especially in 2020, that a lot of things were just spilling over till after five. And so it has given me that clarity, that piece of maybe I need to allocate more time for, it, or maybe I need to scale my business in order to have help with some of those tasks.
0: Uh, But see, this is so impressive, because especially for somebody who's only been in business for coming up on four years, the fact that you have that kind of big picture mentality, the big picture perspective, I think we can all learn something from that, be inspired by that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let me keep going, though. Um, As a business owner, finding free time, and we've been talking about the significance of time, you've been sharing your perspective on that. Finding free time can be difficult is there something in addition to time blocking that you have done that enables you to actually have time at the end of the day for yourself, maybe the important people in your life as well?
1: Yes. So one of um, my new techniques for time is I actually take off one day during the week now. So we work a four day work week and then every other weekend I've added a day. So that way, I'm making sure by taking off a weekday that there's some downtime. Yeah. Um, a lot of times weekends are filled with family tasks and spending time with people as well. And sometimes you just need to step back, especially as a business owner, and just have some you time. Um, so by taking off a day during the week, the house is empty. I've really been able to benefit from that.
0: Oh, that's huge. And that's that's kind of a big statement too, to make that you're going to go ahead and take an additional day off during the week and risk the possibility of, I mean, like some business owners might be like, well, there's no way I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to potentially miss out on a client or business. What if I get a call or an email or this thing and that? And they're kind of functioning out of fear. Uh, You're being much more proactive as a business owner. And you're saying, this is the life that I want. This is the business that I want to support that life. And so I need to take a day off a week. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. Do you is there a particular day that you take off or does it vary?
1: Yes, I'm actually closed on Thursdays. And so the thought process between behind that is that Monday is a productivity day for okay. a lot of my clients. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're really working on their design and their productivity. Hmm. I'm closed on Thursdays, which gives them a day to process all that we've done in the first three days of the week. And then on Friday, we re- we review, I receive feedback, and then we make our plans for the next week.
0: Wow. Well, that's, that is really impressive. So for all of this, those of you out there who actually want to have a life, who want to do more than just run a business, this is something to consider. And of course, for those of you listening in, it doesn't have to be, it have to be a whole day. If, if that just totally stresses you out, take a half day or take a half day one day and then another half day, a different day during the week. I mean, the cool thing at the end of the day is we are our own boss. And if we actually look at it that way, if we want to run a company rather than be run by a company... Uh, we have the opportunity to create a really great lifestyle for ourselves. And and Brunel's a great example of that. So once again, thank you for sharing that. Talk to me about an impactful business, maybe self-help book, or even a podcast that you've read or listened to in the last few years that's, that's really made a difference for you.
1: So one of the most impactful podcasts that I've been listening to is Mistakes Make Magic by Catherine Guidry. Are you familiar with that one?
0: No, no, I'm writing it down.
1: Yes. So I love that podcast um, because she really talks about being a creative entrepreneur and finding that work life balance. And then also really highlights a lot of creative entrepreneurs process, Um, similar to what you do. She talks to a lot of people um, and learns more about their process. And I think that's been really helpful Um, by being a business owner and specifically a solopreneur. It gets kind of lonely. So podcasts are a great way to feel like I'm connected to the rest of the community.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, I was just talking to somebody about this last night, actually, The the existence uh, as an entrepreneur, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I've had the privilege, my company's had the privilege of working with thousands of photographers, and yet my day-to-day existence still is oddly lonely like i 'm right now i 'm in my apartment, and my son 's in the other room, but he 's kind of doing his thing and and there 's nobody else around it's it 's pretty lonely um, and i don 't have the opportunity all the time to have kind of adult interaction because my team is remote and so I I know that feeling and there is something about especially getting comfortable with or familiar with a podcast and they almost become, I I don't know if this is sad to say, but it almost becomes like, like uh, virtual friends, if you will.
1: (laughs) They do. (laughs) They become your coworkers. They just don't know it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a great way to put it actually. So mistakes make magic. We'll, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes and I'm gonna have to check it out as well. The the reality is, is mistakes are going to happen Pretty much consistently, in one form or another, throughout the process of running a business, I like to kind of keep the word failure out of the the equation, if you will. Um, it's one thing to make a mistake; it's another thing to label it a failure. And I think you know, Tony Robbins years ago, I was reading his stuff and and watching his stuff, listening to his stuff, and one of the things that he talks about is that. Just very simply words matter. And even if it's a subconscious thing, we tend to frame a situation with the words that we use. And when, I think when we use the word failure, it suggests that there's, it's almost like there's no coming back from it. My, I, th- I think a better approach is to look at it as a mistake or just simply a lesson learned or, and this may sound a little cliche, but an opportunity to learn from the situation. And then you just kind of pivot or correct course and continue to move forward. Uh, And I don't really think that it has to be a so-called failure at that point. What are your thoughts?
1: Yes, I completely agree. And you highlighted one of my favorite words, pivoting. I think that if we learn to pivot more in life, we would give ourselves more grace. Um, A lot of times we think that if our course doesn't go exactly the way that we mapped it, then we're a failure or that we made a mistake or we're not winning. But in reality, it could just be a pivot. And so I think that that's an an excellent way to view it.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Well, we'll make sure to link to the podcast in the show notes for sure. And by the way, for those of you listening in, com. you can see the show notes for each and every one of the episodes um, that we've been posting. Both the highlights, the talking points, the resources, we'll link to the websites and social media and any other resources that we reference, including this podcast, Mistakes Make Magic. And actually something recently that Haley just put together, it's called the Boca Bookshelf. And so we're going to actually be linking to the various book recommendations. We'll maybe even have to add a, an additional section for podcasts um, that, that our guests are mentioning. So if you're curious, you want to see some of the most popular pop or most recommended books, I should say, on the podcast, link to those, pick them up. You can do that. And again, if you go to bookapodcast.com, you can see that there. But let's go ahead and shift Brunel to our primary point of conversation for today, which very simply is the four pillars of branding. We're going to get to those four pillars here in just a second. But, you know, it, we live in a, in a day and an age and in, in a new decade, 2020, when words kind of mean whatever they mean to that person, then the meanings become quite subjective in nature, it seems. And, um, and so words can kind of get watered down in the process. I'd be curious how you personally define, um, let, let's take both of these words, branding Uh, first of all, Mm -hmm. and then brand as well. Do you mind just kind of breaking each of those down for us?
1: Yes. So I define branding is how your business makes your clients feel.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: So to me, branding is a feeling. Okay. Um, It's an emotion evoking word. A brand um, is just your position as your business. So it's that thing that sets you apart. It's the visual representation of your business as well as Um, the voice of your business.
0: But your position, I love the simplicity and the clarity of that. Okay. So, so you have the brand that is the position, the branding, um, which again, we're going to be talking about what makes up branding or this process of branding is ultimately how you make your clients feel. This is really, really good stuff. Okay. So now that we have kind of some perspective or context really to the conversation with this word branding, uh, I know that you had shared with me that you have these four pillars of branding. Can you go ahead and break each of those down for us and and for our listeners? And uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll have some follow-up questions to go along with it as well.
1: Sure. So the four pillars of branding are your visuals, your values, your vision, and your voice. And so I broke those down because all of those are sensory words. They're all things that make your that will appeal to your client's senses. And then, as I mentioned, all brings you back to the branding and how they feel.
0: Interesting. Okay, so let's take them one by one then. And and by the way, I I love the focus on the sensory because we are talking about feelings. Uh, Let's start with the visuals. I know that you alluded earlier to the visuals on a client's website. Is that kind of the primary area in which you focus on the visual component? Or there are other areas as well?
1: so that's one of the major areas we live in such a technology revolution that if you don't have a website are you even a business yeah (laughs) now yeah but that is not the only area it it's a major area so some of the other places that we use your visuals are business cards signage marketing materials um a lot of photographers still use pricing guides and media kits Um, So having cohesive visuals, making sure that they look great and professional across multiple platforms is very important.
0: Yeah, cohesive. That's interesting. So consistency in the appearance. Um, Are there another one or two components of a good visual representation of a brand that, that you can share with our listeners?
1: Yes, so having a strong logo design, something that is simple for the eye to remember but is also different. So something that will make you stand out among your competitors and a lot of times people are branding on trend instead of authenticity. So you can never go never go wrong with using elements that are personal to you or personal to the service that you're giving your clients.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so building a logo based around trends, do you think that that's very smart? Or is it even that big of a deal? At the end of the day, you know, like, let's say there's a particular trend for five years, you stick with the logo for that time frame, and you just change it up after five years? Or is that confusing, ultimately, to your clients?
1: It is confusing to your clients. I think that starting with a logo that is authentic to you, it's less likely to change. You can definitely build on it or make additions to it but if you're changing your logo every 5 years because that's what's popular then it's you're losing that trust factor with your clients
0: yeah that 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 makes sense so consistency is important cohesiveness and you mentioned the word simple or sim- simplicity is really important as well just to further understand a little bit more you you mentioned designing a logo or having a logo design that is authentically you. This is a a phrase that we hear a lot these days. Again, it's one of those phrases that's kind of subjective in nature. What does that mean to you and how does that actually translate to a logo?
1: Yes. If you look at your logo and you can't explain why it looks the way it looks, then it's probably not authentic. Um, There should be a story behind it. I feel that as business owners, we all have a story of how we got here. Some people's stories are more elaborate than others, but even if it was that you woke up and you had this idea or you were the person, you were the go-to person for a specific thing, that's still your story. That still makes you different. So in your logo, you want to bring out elements that show that, whether it's the typography you choose or the colors you choose or something as simple as a leaf or a pen or a camera shutter. But those things tell a story.
0: So I'm looking at your logo right now, which is primarily, anyway, comprised of a an uppercase B and a lowercase B. Can you you talked about the story? What's the story behind your logo?
1: Yes. So the uppercase B is is a more strong font, like it's what you see when you look at it initially. Yeah. At first glance, most people are like, your logo is a B. They see one. Okay. And that's representative of of the business. That's the business aspect of of the brand. That's the formal put together part. And then the lowercase B is me. It's representative of Brunel. I'm the person that makes up the business, but I'm not, the business doesn't define me. Hmm. Does that make sense?
0: No, I, I, yeah, no, I think it does. I, I, I think the idea of associating, I understand the significance of, of our personality, um, and ultimately just who we are driving what a business can become. But I, I think it's important, and you've already demonstrated this intelligence in the way that you've structured your business and particularly the way that you manage your time, that you're not your business isn't you. It is an entity which you have built and are ultimately running for various personal goals, but it isn't you. And so I like that you create again, you represent that distinction. Um there's consistency in not only what you're speaking, but what you're presenting visually. Uh, with this particular logo. So that's quite interesting. Okay, so we start with the visuals. Uh, it's important to be cohesive across all platforms, that it be strong. And, and I know that that can be a bit of a subjective term again, but I, I do love the notion of simplicity. And, um, you know, we can, especially in the creative space and the photographer space, and, and actually I was guilty of it with my first so called logo or wordmark as well. Um, you know, photographers like to go with these scripty fonts and they can be a bit difficult to read, especially in a small size. Uh, So we have to keep in mind that simplicity can actually trump this overly pretty logo, for lack of a better phrase. Um, (laughs) And when it comes to being a recognizable logo across all platforms in various formats, small, large, etc. So it's important to note that simplicity really can make a difference. Um, Okay, so going from visuals, then to let's go to values next is the second pillar of, of a brand or branding process. What does that actually look like um, or sound like? How, when, you're, when you're helping a client build a brand, how are you helping them implement values into that brand?
1: So when I'm helping my clients build a brand, part of what is on my branding intake questionnaire is asking them about their core values. What are the things that they stand for? What are the things that are non-negotiable in their business for them? And there you get a lot of buzzwords, authenticity, you get caring, you get trustworthy, words like that. But we dig a little bit deeper into what those specifically mean for them and then how we can translate that to their clients.
0: And and why does it matter? Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't, and and this is kind of rhetorical in nature, obviously, but why would it matter so much that their core values drive this brand versus just kind of picking some cute idea or some trendy idea or topic in culture at the moment and using that to drive the brand why why does the core value matter so much
1: well because trends change Hmm. and and core values do not while you do pivot in business you're going to learn you're going to expand your core values honestly shouldn't change Um, And I think that Amazon is a really, really good example of this. I love that many people don't know that they list their core values on their website. If you go to their about page, you learn that um, they really value customer obsession, ownership. They hire and develop the best, frugality. And, And when you hear those words, it makes sense. You see that represented in the way that Amazon Prime works. You see that represented um, just in their customer service as a whole. So those core values are really make up your customer service.
0: Yeah, And I think ultimately too, if if a business isn't built around core values, it's a lot easier to get burnt out on it, too, don't you think? I mean, if, if the business is driven by something that you ultimately want to do for the world, some value you want to bring to the world, the motivation, the drive to to work to build that business is going to be much greater too, don't you think?
1: Definitely.
0: Hmm, That's interesting. Okay. So starting- I
1: definitely agree with that.
0: Well, and and so starting with core values, then this is going to ultimately shape, uh, and this is something we've talked about in the podcast before. It doesn't just shape what that brand looks like or how it ultimately makes the client feel, but it also translates to the way that we spend our time on a daily basis too. It helps us what ultimately helps bring focus um, and filter out that which is not relevant. And I think that's really important too. So we've got visuals, values. uh, Vision is the third element. Talk to me about what vision means in the context of branding.
1: Yes. So it represents your business plan and more so your brand's plan. Um, And those two things are not the same. A lot of times we talk about a business plan, we think of financial goals, we think of like actionable steps as to creating that revenue. Your branding plan is more so how we know how you want your clients to feel now because we've talked about your core values, but now how are we going to get there? What steps do we have to take for them to, to actually feel that? And so that's what the vision is.
0: Do, do you feel like there's a difference between a branding plan and a marketing plan?
1: Yes. A marketing plan is how you are going to show your business to other people. How do you get in front of them? Okay. What what things can you do to, to create action in potential clients? That's how I view a marketing plan. Your branding plan is, okay, now you are in front of them, but what are you going to do to make them to feel a certain way? That one has to do more with the sensory aspect than the actual action.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And I like that distinction too. That's really, really good. Okay, so we've got visuals, values, vision, and then the last one is voice. Now, I, I know that I've, I've heard photographers or those in our industry reference the idea of voice. I think both... In, in the context of copywriting, as well as I think the overall design of their website, potentially their imagery as well. But when you talk about voice in the process of branding, what is its significance to you?
1: Yes, your unique voice is your copy content, and making sure that translates across different platforms. Because I know that we're talking specifically about websites, but even your social media. We've all went to someone's social media page and read their captions, and they sound fun, they are exciting, full of energy. And then you go to your their website, and it's just bleak, (laughs) very salesy, very um, formal. And so you just want to stay consistent across platforms. If you are going to have a more fun, light feeling to your your business voice, then do that across all platforms. If you want to come with a more corporate feel to your business, then you want to do that across all platforms.
0: But being consistent, I mean, you used the word cohesive earlier, and that seems applicable here again. So... That's a really good reminder as well. This has been, this has been a really helpful conversation and um, I think ultimately an inspirational conversation too, both for me and, and hopefully for our listeners as well. I would love to be able to reference uh, our listeners to your website. I know we have mentioned it earlier, but we just remind them where they can find you online, kind of follow what you're doing and potentially reach out to you if they need help in developing their brand?
1: Yes. So you can find me at com. And then also, my Instagram is the same thing, branded by Brunel. And there, on my Instagram, I give more personal tips to my day, like my day-to-day process. Okay. My website more so shows my services, but my Instagram shows more so the process, the behind-the-scenes, and then there I answer questions as well.
0: And you know what? This section reminds me of something um, in our interaction prior to the interview today. Uh, I, 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 you mentioned the fact that you're not putting as much effort or time into Facebook for the sake of your brand, that Instagram, and I think you mentioned one other platform was more more where your focus was at. I think that's a really interesting perspective. And especially in the the conversation about marketing and and branding. Can you give just a little bit of insight to to myself uh, as well as our our listeners in regards to the conversation about using Facebook?
1: Sure. Using Facebook's me, I have not really found my ideal client on Facebook. Okay, and I think that the reason behind that is that I I feel like Instagram shows more of that or has more of the experience building potential. Hmm, okay. So they, when someone scrolls up and down Instagram, it's mostly visual. So you catch them with that visual, and then they get a short snippet. Now, um, before hitting the read more, they get a short snippet where. They can really connect with you. They can get a one-liner to make that genuine connection. Whereas Facebook, I feel like, is a lot of content in one place, and for me, it's like sensory overload.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but you know, I, I love that you created this distinction between your website and Instagram, where your website basically is a is a platform to share, communicate what services you offer. Instagram is more about adding value. To, to the person who is consuming your content. And by the way, visually, it is a stunning feed. I've got it pulled up right now on my on my laptop. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful feed. But I love the focus on adding value. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I, I, I not only believe this just as a concept, but I've certainly seen the the rewards from it, if you will, that if we focus on giving value, adding value, whether it's to an individual, the person in front of us that we're having conversation with, um, or to a larger community, that will ultimately. First of all, it, it's a it's a benefit, a reward in and of itself to be able to do that. I think, um, but it, it's it's going to come back. There's there's a, a wonderful payback from that effort at the end of the day. And so I love that you prioritize that very idea, and that you've got a platform in which you're focusing on that. I think it's a it's a really great concept. So of course we'll link to your Instagram, to your website as well in the show notes of book or for those of you listening, if you use a podcast player, you can go to that and look in the show notes section. We'll link to the Instagram website there as well as the talking points from today. And um, this has been really lovely. Brunel, thank you so much for making time for the book of podcast.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at PhotographersEdit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings parties and other amazing events. Visit milu, m i i l u.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.